All right, if you'll take your Bibles, go to the, uh, go to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. I appreciate the message of the songs this morning. It's an interesting difficulty we have with who God is. Um, the problem is we just can't, it's, it's not humanly possible to understand God. That's, that, that's, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Because what we're going to talk about a little bit in this, this message is one of the most difficult commands that God will give to, I think, almost anyone in Scripture. And it is most difficult, not in the sense of the difficulty in order to follow it, but in the difficulty in explaining why God would command it. Um, it's, it's one of those commands that Christians struggle with. And we're going to look at that and what it comes down to is the fact that God's love and God's holiness are never in conflict. And we put them in conflict. We, because we can't understand how they can combine, we often emphasize one over the other. Either way. I grew up, as, as he talked about, in some churches that emphasize the holiness of God to the extent where God was so distant that he was inaccessible. Um, on the contrast, I also, when I was younger, attended churches that preached an accessible God to the point where he didn't care how you lived. And neither of those are biblical. And we're going to see that as we work through this passage here, we're, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number 15. 1 Samuel 15. We'll be, uh, we'll be beginning in verse number 1. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I ask you to please give me your power as I preach. Help me to say only what you want me to say. Help it to be clear and help us all to be truly surrendered to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage here. This is a pretty familiar story. This is the story of Samuel, I mean, of Samuel coming to Saul and telling him that God has commanded him to destroy the Amalekites. Okay? He will, he will be told to completely wipe them out. And if you have read this passage, you know that. Saul does not complete God's command. He does not obey. Okay? Instead, he keeps the king alive. And the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, under the claim that he is going to sacrifice them to God, to give them to the Lord. Now, God, by the way, never... Um, contradicts that that was actually the purpose of 
of keeping the sheep. Um, he doesn't really address it. So I'm going to assume that that really was the purpose. Okay? Um, but God tells, and I'm just going to read I'm just going to read one verse here before we begin. God says this in verse 22. He says, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, God teaches a lesson here through the failure of Saul that to this day, I believe many Christians have failed to learn. And that's this. God is more concerned about your relationship with him than he is about what you give him. Okay? We're, we're here, it's, it's Faith Promise Sunday. And there are passages that we could go to in Scripture that would talk about giving. Jesus talked about finances quite often, actually. Uh, we often shy away from talking about money because it offends people. And because we don't want to come into the, the impression that that is what we're after when we're preaching. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, God addresses finances pretty heavily. Why? Not because God needs your money. He doesn't. Okay? God created this world. He knows where all the diamond mines are. He knows where all the gold is. He knows where all the oil is. If he really wanted, just, if he really just needed money, then he wouldn't necessarily need to come to us. Okay? He doesn't need us in that way. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not asking us to give because he's really hamstrung if you don't give him money. Okay? That's, that's not what's going on here. He addresses money because money is a good indication of where your heart is. Okay? Jesus even said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay? So a good indication of your heart, your desires, the things that you enjoy, is how you spend your money. And by the way, even in a non-spiritual sense, we understand this, okay? I don't spend a whole lot of money on hair products, okay? <laughs> it's pretty easy to see why, okay? Okay? But it's not just that, okay? I'm not a hunter, okay? I don't spend a whole lot of money on hunting equipment. Why? Because I'm just not a hunter. Not that it's necessarily wrong, I'm just not one. Okay? Some people like to hunt, and there's nothing wrong with that, but 
they're going to spend their money on hunting because that's what they enjoy. Okay? And so that is an indication of where their heart is. Not in a sinful way, but just in a, in a fact of what you desire and what you like. The problem is when it gets out of balance. Okay? The problem is what takes precedent in your life. So very quickly, I just want to go over three things from this, that we learned from, from Saul here. The first thing we learn about is his sacrifice. He actually was serving God. For the first few years of his life, he seems to have been a pretty good king. Okay? You read the first few chapters of his, of his reign, he actually, some people rejected him from being king. They're like, how can this guy rule over us? And then when he, God uses him to get a victory in battle, everybody's like, let's go execute those who didn't want him to be king. And he said, no, we're not executing anyone. God gave a victory today. We need to honor God. So it seems like Saul actually started out as a pretty decent king. Okay? God gives him this command. He'd already failed in another area. We'll talk about it very briefly in a second here. But he'd already failed in another area, which had made it so that God had already told him, you're not going to have a dynasty. You're the last king from your line. But God gives him this command. you got to understand, this is not an easy command. He is supposed to go, and he's supposed to wipe out an entire group of people. Once again, we as, as human beings, we, we struggle with this one especially since he asked a human being to carry it out. If God had just sent a disease, or if God had caused some natural disaster to kill the Amalekites for their wickedness, we would have an easier time with that. But because he asked a human being to carry out the execution of them for their sin, that becomes a little bit more difficult for us. And I don't, I don't personally even claim to fully understand it. Except for the fact that we don't have time to track this down, but the very Bible makes it very clear that none of us are good. Okay, We like to think we're good. But if you acted on every thought that came to your mind, what kind of person would you be? Okay? The Bible tells us that out of the heart is where evil thoughts come from. Okay, so that'll tell you what kind of heart you have. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Okay, we're all worthy of death. We're all, if we got what we deserved, would be in hell right now. Okay, it's God's mercy that we're not consumed. Okay. But it also was one that was going to take a little while. We read it like it's, oh, it's just one city. It's not. It's an area. It's a region. He's going on a military campaign. And he even does. The Bible says that he went from, in verse 7, it says, from Havala until Sur. Sure, he, he actually went through a, uh, through a region and fought this campaign. Um, he did save the best for God. And he is going to lead in worship in a moment. All of these things seem good. So what's the problem? Well, the first problem is his heart. So we've seen his sacrifice. Now let's look at his heart. God comes to Saul 
and says this. In verse 17, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel. He'd been filled with pride. Every other thing that you're going to see him do is based in his pride. Okay? Pride and selfishness pretty much answers for every one of our sins that we struggle with. Ultimately, that's pretty much what they come down to. The Bible talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's the categories the Bible gives for the sins. What we want and our pride is pretty much what, where it comes from. But in verse 24, he said that he feared the people. He was afraid of what people would think. He, I'm glad, I'm glad that faith promise is anonymous, okay? Otherwise, we'd end up with the same situation as in the New Testament with the Pharisees and them giving great amounts of money and you've got the widow's might. The widow just gave a little bit. Jesus had to point out that she gave more, okay? But faith promise can still be affected by our pride. How much you give is affected by your pride in several different ways. One way is your, your living. You have a certain style of living that you believe you must maintain. You believe that you have to have a nice car that looks like the rest of the cars in your neighborhood. When I, was, when I first started as an assistant pastor, my car was the only car in our neighborhood. We were in a retirement community, actually. Um, we were renting from a, from a lady but we were living in a retirement area, and ours was the only car in the neighborhood that had any rust. Literally. We actually got in trouble with the homeowners association because our car was rusting on the driveway. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, there is pressure from those around you to live a certain way. To have certain nice clothing, to have certain to have certain forms of entertainment, to have certain forms of leisure, to be able to do certain things. And we, in our pride, believe I have to have these things. I can't give those up. The fact of the matter is, we're afraid of what people would think of us if we gave up some of that. But he also wanted man's praise. In the end, when God confronts him about his sin, he goes, honor me, just honor me. He goes, please, just come and worship with me so that the, honor, the elders will see me and honor me. They want, he wanted praise. The fact of the matter is, we live our lives seeking the praise of others instead of God. We dress a certain way most of the time because that's what we think others expect of us. We go to work because that's what we think we should do. And we, we live a certain way. We don't say the things we should say. We don't witness because we feel like, oh, well, it'll, it'll hinder my reputation. And we're afraid of people. And we want their praise. So the last thing we see is Saul's rebellion. 
He actually did several things wrong here, not just keeping Agag alive. Um, first of all, he didn't fight long enough. We find this out by the fact that it's the Amalekites that attacked David's home in Ziklag. That's not long enough for just a couple people to have repopulated and created an army. Okay? So in other words, Saul didn't finish the job. He didn't go far enough. Now, I don't know. I hope you've been praying for what God wants you to put on this, on your faith promise card. I hope you have. You're going to be tempted to not go as far as God asks you to. I know because I often am. When God asks us to sacrifice for him, to give for him, we usually want to hold back some, like Ananias and Sapphira. Also, he believed he could determine what was best. It's pretty, it's pretty hard when God tells you to sacrifice, to give up, and you sit there going, but I don't know, God, how this is going to work out. It's not for you to figure out how things are going to work out. That's not what God has commanded. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Now, I'm not telling you go in debt to give. Okay, that's foolishness. The New Testament even tells us God seeks based on what a man has, not on what he has not. Okay? But when God talks about finances in, the first, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, Paul commended them because they gave themselves first to God. And then he believed that God would take whatever he sincerely gave. We have that problem. We believe that God will just accept, if we give it with the right heart, God will accept anything. First of all, we aren't giving it with the right heart if we're not giving what God wants. Okay, so we've got to stop pretending we are. But we, we come to the attitude of, oh, well, God will accept it if I'm sincere. How did, how did he view sacrifices that were lame or that had, were blind? He told them, give them now to your governors, see if they'll accept them. Because you wouldn't give this to people to honor them. Why would you give it to me? I want to end with this verse here. Verse 26, he says, um, he says, And Saul said, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king. Okay, so God says he rejected him from being king. Then he says this in verse 28, And Saul said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. God had already told Saul that he was looking for a man after his own heart. And that's going to be David. Now David wasn't perfect. He had some serious flaws. Okay? We're gonna, you, could, you could read his life, he's got some serious flaws. 
But here's what I want to point out. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God is looking at your heart. The Bible also tells us that he is looking to show himself strong on behalf of the righteous. God is looking at our hearts. Pride may be affecting what we're willing to give in both ways. Maybe you can't give that much. I can't help but wonder if maybe the widow who gave the mites was a little embarrassed coming into the temple. I mean, everybody else is giving so much. I've got pennies. I can't give that much to God. What difference is it going to make anyways? I mean, honestly. If God has called you to do something and you refuse, the Bible says rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You're in rebellion. Whether that's God wants you to give a little or God wants you to give much. And maybe you've had some, maybe you've lost a job this year. And you're looking at it going, God, I can't give as much as I gave last year. Maybe God isn't calling you to. What is God calling you to give? That's what he wants. He doesn't want more and he doesn't want less. Anything else than what he asks for is sin. If you give more, then it's wrong. If you give less, then it's wrong. When I was in college, there was times where I was literally praying for coins to, to do my laundry. And I remember one time, a missionary came in, they were going to take up an offering. And I had been praying for $5 for literally for something specific. And the missionary came in, and I was, I was conflicted. I wanted to be able to give to the missionary, but I didn't have any money. All I had was that $5. And I remember praying, and I remember asking God, what am I supposed to do with this? And here's the message that God gave to my heart right there. And this is not the kind of message that you would think to end a faith promise. But this is the message God gave. That money he had given to me for that very specific answer to prayer. That money had already been designated to a specific thing God wanted. God was going to take care of the missionary either way. I needed to remain faithful with the money he gave me. That's surrender. That's the heart that God wants from us. He'll take care of the missionaries. The question is, are we going to be willing to surrender? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask you to please help us to truly be surrendered to you not just in the area of finances, but in every area of our lives. Lord, I thank you for all that you do for us. Help us to truly love you in response to your great love for us. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor.